us sports moms have something to say. Yes, we do. We'll have a chance to interview across the board from athletes to the parents to the coaches to even the trainers. Yeah. And we're not afraid to share our journey. We're not afraid to tell other moms what we went through in order to raise up a student athlete. So I believe that it's inspirational. Yeah. We're able to tell our story, the good and the bad. Yeah. We can give back positive information. Absolutely. You know, we can empower them. Yeah, I think it's time for the mothers to be a voice. Yeah. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Time for us to, to let you know what's going on. Hey, what's up? It's Karen K Doll, that K Doll on Can We Talk Sports? And I am here with my host, Carmen, aka Mama D. And I'm so excited, Karen. I'm so excited. Football tonight. There is football tonight. It is. Yes. The Chiefs and the, the um, Texans, the, the Houston, Houston. Yes. So, I can't so, wait. Do we know if they're allowing the fans? I haven't looked that yes. far. Yes. What? Um, yes. They're, I, it's a, the game is in Kansas City, and they're letting, like, I think it was 22,000 fans. Like, it's like a fourth of the regular size, a third or a fourth of regular size. So, yeah. They're, they are... Um, you know, splitting people up, but yeah, they're having fans, definitely. Really? Now, see, that's kind of different, you know, because you got the NBA and they're not having fans. And I don't know if it's something to do with being outside. What do you think? Yes, absolutely. Because inside, you know, first of all, the arena is so much smaller. Right. In basketball and, um, and football outside open air, yeah, yeah. Especially the Chiefs, like they're, they're it's all the way open. They don't have a dome or anything. It's it's open, wide open. Uh, yeah, cold, wide open. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if, if it was cold. Oh yeah. yeah. Now that it's um, that's gonna be yeah. unique because it's gonna be like the first time we've actually been uh, have the crowd and and out in the public, you know, because yeah. I know I saw some college games over the weekend and I didn't see any fans for the college games. I did. I was so busy this weekend, girl. I did not watch one college game. And I have been like, oh, I miss football. Like I've gone through withdrawals. Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> I miss my football. So I'm so shocked I did not catch a game this weekend. But no, I didn't. Not one. Mm -mm. I, I didn't really either. It was just like in passing. I think, you know, turning, I saw ESPN and I, and I was like, is that a game? Or was that a repeat? You know, I was kind right. of shocked. Wasn't really used to it. Now I'm excited to know, you know, especially here in Texas, uh, the high schools, you know, we haven't quite started. I think I saw an article that was saying that there's over 1,000 high school games that have started and nobody has reported COVID-19. But we wow. haven't started that here in Texas. I think our games are closer to the end of September. 
Well, you know who has been playing? Uh, Trinity Christian. They like traveled. They went somewhere. They were on ESPN two weekends ago, I think. Oh, yeah. So yeah, they're playing already. They've already had two games. So, and oh. I know UNT played this weekend too. So that's another one. I'm. I missed that. North Texas played this weekend. And no fans, right? I, you know what? I don't know. I don't mm. know. So, you know, uh, I just looking at DeSoto's schedule, and uh, we play Trinity Christian, um, I think, sometime in this September is a preseason game. And that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, it is. They're playing up. And so, yeah, way up. Yeah. <laughs> that is but, so you know, they're pretty, they're really good though. They're a really good team. So they they should compete well. They well, you know, most well. of the time, you know, even when my son was going, you know, is there was this crazy notion about, you know, uh depending on that if you're not going to play if you're not playing against some bigger schools then the right. quality of the play uh of you is not that good because you're not really being uh, challenged yeah challenged right. mm -hmm. so i think that was such a myth um it, it was definitely misconstrued because i mean even though all three of my kids went to trish went to trinity christian to christian school like all of them except well the middle one didn't play uh collegiate athletic but the other two did D1, like they got looks and they got recruited and yeah, yeah. that's definitely not I mean, true. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, later on, we're going to have Etheridge, Etheridge James. Uh, he was voted, he went into, he's supposed to be in the hall of fame this year. And he had posted an article about, you know, having to make the decision about whether he was going to move to a bigger school. And his mama said, no, you gonna stay right here, and I told him. I said, "You gotta come on the show to tell us that because, because just because of the myth and not having the knowledge of mm -hmm. it, we make decisions that sometimes don't always pan out." Right, right. So mm -hmm. uh, that's gonna be good. So what else is going on? Oh gosh, not much. Not much. I I have decided. I made the decision. I'm not gonna um, official officiate volleyball this year. So I'm a little sad about it. But mm -mm, I can't. I'm a diabetic. I don't need to be out there exposing myself like that. So right. So now you're gonna have to find some stuff to fill your time. I know. I know. Because I love volleyball. Actually, that's why I became an official because. Jack and I just traveled all over the country watching Mahogany play. Oh. And then when she went to Europe, I went like it, like football. I went through withdrawals. <laughs> and um, that's the year I started officiating volleyball is when she went to Europe because I was like, I need my volleyball. <laughs> so, so I'm sure I'll go through withdrawals, but I'm sure I can find something on TV, some volleyball on ESPN or something to watch or just go sneak in a game every once in a while. But mm -mm. right. Right. Yeah. Cause they would be, they will be playing right now. The season yeah. volleyball is right now, right? Yes. It's right now. I don't think they've started. I don't think Dallas has actually started games yet. I think they had to cancel all of their tournaments and their preseason games. 
I think they're only going to play regular season games and they haven't, the season hasn't um, started yet. They're um, all the teams in their conference and then they're, um, I don't think those games have started yet. So we'll see. Uh, well, I'm excited because my, Mahogany is going to come on the show. And I think that's going to be the first time we've had a volleyball player uh, come on the show. So we need definitely need to be educated as far as parents knowing about the ins and outs yes. of volleyball and how to get scholarships and training and going overseas. And yes, it's, it's we used to go to club tournaments. Karen and we would be, we would go all over the country, but especially here in Dallas, they had a big tournament and it would be at the um, K ba Bailey Hutchin Convention Center. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you they would have two full weekends, a hundred and like 40 courts. Wow. Um, uh, they would have um, a pool in the morning and a pool in the afternoon. So 140 courts, two pools a day, two weekends. Okay, so we're talking a lot of teams, okay? Wow. And when I tell you it was just a few women of color sprinkled in there that you would see, and it was it just broke my heart. So I'm wow. glad to see more women of color realizing that volleyball, if, if nothing else, it's a way to get a good education. Yes, that's, so, that's yeah. good. It's almost like that for a softball too, mm -hmm. you know, um, coming from California, we had an all black softball team and we would go to those tournaments and they would just look at us like, where'd y'all come from? Yeah. Oh, wow. So they would just watch us because the simple fact that we're all black one team, you know, and they mm -hmm. hadn't seen that. Um, but that was an area that we really hadn't broke into as far as um, you know, softball and, you know, just that being a sports for college and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, I'm glad things are, um, you know, changing a little bit. So, yes. Yeah. But I am so excited for our guests that we're going to have on the show uh, tonight. I was reading his bio and um, wow, I, I, I just can't wait to hear his story because uh huh? He has that he was blind, you know, he was blind at an early age. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, wow, how yes. is all of this? So without further ado, uh, welcome to the show, uh, Ryan Esquire Anderson. Hello, Ryan. Hey, how are y'all doing? Thank y'all so much for having me on the show. Great, great. Glad to have you. I'm just excited to hear about your journey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> are, are, you, are you ready for me to tell it? Yes. Go ahead and tell yeah. us. Go yeah, ahead and so tell us about yourself. Obviously, you know, as you kind of told your told your audience, uh, as of now, I'm totally blind. But um, you know, I was born I was born sighted, uh, just like everyone else. I grew up on the dairy out, out in the middle of nowhere. I was a kid that was like, you know, riding horses, playing military, um, playing football, which was like my passion was, was my, my goal. I, I put my bio, like my goal in life was to be an NFL quarterback. And, um, you know, I didn't realize at the time that I was doing all the things that they tell you to do 
as a coach, like, you know, mimic, mimic your player, mimic your favorite players. And, and my favorite player at the time was uh, Joe Montana. And I had read a book about, you know, how he had thrown in a tire swing for hours. And, and so I had my dad put up a tire swing in the, in the trees and here I am running drills out in the middle of nowhere, you no know, throwing my football at a tire swing, uh, you know, stealing um, football plays from the video game at the time and taking them to recess to, to get all my friends to, to run the plays. And, and uh, yeah, so I, mean, I think that was my goal in life. I and mean, I was trying to do everything I could to, to possibly make that dream come true. And then, uh, around 11 years old, I randomly got sick. I had a brain abscess that um, basically like when your finger gets uh, yeah, it cut and infected, it kind of swells. My brain did the same thing. It just randomly got infected and started swelling. And when it swelled, it hit the nerves that make you see where, where they cross, which is why I can't see. But I'm um, like, they told my parents I was supposed to be dead or severely brain damaged. Like they really didn't think I was going to survive the surgery. So um I was really, really lucky. All I came out with was not being able to see, um, like no brain damage, all that kind of good stuff. But, uh, you know, obviously like my dream of NFL quarterback was, was kind of taken away. So there was, another, there was things that went with it. You know, depression went with it. Like a lot, a lot of my identity went with it. Cause I mean, I'm from Texas as well as y'all. And I mean, you, you, you also like from moms don't understand the importance of, of sports and, you know, small town, Texas, playing football is kind of a big deal for like identity and confidence and, and status and all that kind of good stuff. So, you know, that was also taken away from me in addition to my dreams. So, you know, I, I went through that and then eventually uh, I have a ma- I went on to college. I have a master's in or yeah, a master's in counseling psychology, uh, went to t- uh, Texas tech law school. So I have a law degree and um, yeah, I'm a member of the Texas bar, but I don't do any of that. Currently I'm a, um, you know, business and mental performance coach. I work with like CEOs, founders, startups, and professional athletes. And I really help them with mindsets. What I do business-wise, I help some business strategy as well. But but as far as most of it, a lot of it's, you know, really working on mindset, uh, really good, uh, establishing really good habits, learning how to reframe situations, um, you know, learning how to get into the flow state so they can, you know, perform at the, at the highest level possible. So yeah, that's kind of a brief synopsis of, who I am, where I've gone, what I do. I love it. (laughs) I love it. So tell me, um, you know, first of all, tell me about your mom in this Uh whole process because, and and then do you have any brothers and sisters? Yeah. So um, I'll answer the sister one first. Yeah. I have have a younger sister. She's three years younger than I am. Uh, Just recently, like four, four, four and a half months ago, became a first time mom. So as well, but then, um, so she's the first grandchild of the the family. Um, but yeah, my mom, you know, that was one of the things that uh, I was really blessed to have. I have an amazing family. Both my parents are both still married, both still alive. And, um, I, I, I'm super lucky because my mom is an incredible lady. She's incredibly smart very strong, high character, high class. Um, and, and we'll, like, it's funny. She doesn't, she's not one of those like moms that loves all kids, but she loves her kids, to the end, her kids to the end of the world. Right. So <laughs> right. yeah, yeah when I was in the, hospital, like, they, they, the doctors used to joke that um, like, she's the mom that would like throw herself on her kid going, no, 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 no more shots or whatever. Right? <laughs> like just protecting her kids. Right. And so um, like, you know, it, it really, it's incredible because, 
like when I lost my vision, you know, she was there for a lot of the emotional decisions, right? Like our yes. discussions, um, you know, talking about what listening to me as far as like my fears about losing my vision and, and, you know, like this, how much of a loss it was and, and really helped me kind of figure out how I was going to do what I was going to do next. But then my dad on the other other hand was great for the physical aspect because um, he had a friend that was an ex Canadian football player they, and they were lifting weights together. And so my dad brought me in and basically my therapy was lifting weights with my dad and his friend. So mm. I was able to, you know, to have those male parts of the conversation, right? Like, you know, and, and I was also able to have the whole jock experience that I, that I craved from the sample, like, you know, locker room talk, locker room humor. They treated me like I was anybody else, right? Like they didn't hold back as far as what they harassed me about or how, how brutal they were. I mean, if you, I mean, if you've been in a guy's locker room, it is not a nice place sometimes, <laughs> right? It's yeah. fun, but, you know. It's and stinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, so I was, so I, I, you know, it was a really good combination between those yeah. two. Yeah, and um, I was lucky. My mom, my mom was a high school teacher, so you know, it was a small town, and like she taught all my sciences to me for my four years of high school. So um, that that helped a lot too, having somebody there in the school system while I was, you know, trying to navigate uh, junior high and high school as a blind kid. And you know, that was the reason why I asked you about your mom, yeah, and then you told me about your parents because mm -hmm. for you to go on and do the things that you accomplished, there yeah. had to be some people that was rooting for you in your in your corner to yeah. edge you on to encourage you. And yeah. now all of a sudden, you are someone that goes and encourage and motivate others. Yeah, you know, and, and it's funny because, like I said, I'm from a, a super super small town, and you know, if I didn't have my parents that were a were super were, were both really strong and well informed and when i lost my vision educating themselves as far as what was out there what could be done with my potentials were all i would have been one of the kids that fell through the cracks because there was not a really great support system within the education you know area that i was in i mean it, and it wasn't because of any kind of like you know malfeasance they just didn't know like right. they didn't know and, and and the standards of like what could be achieved were low and my mom was kind of like no he's smarter than this he can do more than this we are not going to settle for average or below average right i mean he's going right. to take anatomy he's going to take physics he's going to take calculus which i did i took them all and did fine oh, and, wow. and so like my mom didn't drop the standards and i didn't either to be honest with you and neither did my you know my dad and so, you know, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done as well as I did because I would have fallen through the cracks, right? And, and then once I went to college, and it was different, I mean, the college systems were, were much, much better equipped to, to deal with it. And I had learned how to navigate a lot by then, too. So, um, but yeah, early on, those early years, and I, it makes me feel terrible for parent, who kids who don't have parents that are um, as involved. Like, my mom being a teacher was huge. Um, and, and being a small school district was huge because, you know, she was able to talk to superintendent. Superintendent's like, yeah, whatever you need, right? Not all parents right. have that advantage or that knowledge or, or that, you know, support system. And so um, I feel, I, looking back, I know I was so blessed to have yes. that because my story could be so different. Yes. I, I mean, you know, it, it was, you know, a tragedy, but then God yeah. still kept you uh, in the midst of it. Like you said, a smaller school where mm -hmm. you can get more attention. Yep. 
and so how it all worked out. And then here you are with a law and a master yeah. in science. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went to college two and a half years and ain't no way I'm going, I don't feel like I'm ever going back. And here you went on. Yeah. <laughs> I know it looks like I'm a super nerd, right? Three <laughs> degrees. It wasn't. It's because it's because it kept me in school, which kept yes. me around friends and I yes. could be social. So like I did summer school, not because I was a nerd, but because it kept me around friends, right? Yes. And so I, 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 I yeah, I did well, but I also did a lot of it for, for reasons that were not purely educational, right? Which I think is important for people to realize. It's because you're mm-hmm. school doesn't mean you can't be, you know, there for social reasons or you can't be there, whatever, you know, whatever, right? Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not as much of a nerd as it, as it looks like I am, but um, but yeah, yeah, I I, I I kept going back. I didn't want to get a job, to be honest with you. I wasn't ready to grow up, right? So so I'm like, uh, let's get another degree, which is funny because school is, I mean. It's a lot of work to be in school. It's almost more work than a job, and you do it, and you pay to do it, right? So right. I probably should have gotten a job, but yeah, no, I, I didn't want to get one, so I stayed in school. You got any questions, Kwame? I do, I do, right? I have a lot of questions yeah. for you. Let yeah. me start by saying my mom mm-hmm. is also blind. Okay. Um, yeah. she has prosthesis in both eyes, so okay. totally blind. Yep. So. I have a I have a little bit of insight yeah. into your daily life, but just talk a little bit about you woke up in that hospital bed and you couldn't see, like you didn't yeah. know what happened. Yeah. Like, tell us a little bit about what you went through and when did it yeah. turn for you? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, so you know, it was weird. Um, you know, like, like I said, literally, I woke up in the hospital. Laying on my stomach and I couldn't see complete darkness. And I remember like yelling for my mom and then, you know, her basically explaining what happened. And, and the weird thing about it was, you know, several months had gone in between. So basically, I guess I had that brain infection for a while and it must have messed with my memory encoding. So like I was, you know, walking around, I was playing basketball. Like my last memory is my best friend at the time running across the, uh, running across the basketball court as we're playing peewee basketball. And then I woke up in the hospital and couldn't see, right? And there were months in between. I just don't remember anything, which is a blessing because I was super sick, like throwing up, you know. Yes. So I don't remember any of that. But, you know, it was traumatic as hell, right? Because, I mean, it, it wasn't like I had any adjustment time either. It was just like, boom, woke up. You can't see. You know, I, was, I also had paralysis at one, on one side at the time, um, mm-hmm. resulting from um, the part of the brain that was affected. And, you know, I you, you can't see your paralysis and welcome to your new life and so yeah it was it was terribly jarring and you know there were a lot of tears shed there were a lot of long conversations in the hospital there was a lot of physical therapy there was speech therapy um and you know they they because my mom has such a because she has a master's in microbiology a strong Mm -hmm. medical background they actually let me out early and she was still giving me medications because they thought for my mental health being home would be better than the hospital which, which it was. So, you know, I, I was only in there probably a month, but, you know, it, 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 was, it, was, it was a huge adjustment. Um, and then school was an adjustment, right? Like, you know, figuring out how to walk with a cane, figuring out how to read Braille, you know, how do I take yes. care so All yeah. that kind of stuff was like, and again, we didn't have a great support system as far as to teach me how to do it. So a lot of it was, you know, um, <laughs> figuring out. Like, there's still things that I do to this day that most blind people don't because that's just the way I learned it, right? It wasn't taught. Right. We just learned it. Right. 
You had to. the turning point. You know, it's hard to say there was really a point. Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, as far I guess the turning point, if you kind of want to look at it, was I was a super active kid, you know, really hyper, running, playing, stand, whatever. And when I got sick, they put me on prednisone. So I went from 5'1", 103 healthy, to about 88 pounds right before I almost died. And then I came out of the hospital like 5'3", and 165. So I, wow. I gained a bunch of weight with prednisone. Right. And so um, about a year, it was it was, it was was the summer after the year I lost my vision. It was probably almost a year to the day. I just was like, I am tired of being fat. Um, because I associate a lot of that, I think a lot of the um, negative emotions lose my vision were kind of wrapped up in that because they kind of hit, hit the same time. So I started working out, right? And, and to me, that was probably the turning point because I think what happened was I think my brain healed enough to where mm. I started returning to the person I was before. I started yes. you know that, that active person that was going to work out, that was going to be in good shape. You know, that was the athlete at heart, right? I think he was coming back and it was just me kind of reclaiming you know, starting starting the journey of reclaiming that identity. So yeah, that's probably about yeah. when it was. That's good. Excellent. Good question. I've never been asked that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when did you go to? Did you get any specific training, like a blind school for I Braille up, or yeah, to learn? So I ended up going to the school for the blind in Austin, my eighth grade year, and we, mm -hmm. we told them. But my parents were like, because we wanted me to. I my parents and I also, uh, and my parents were great. They, they let me make the decisions too. They, they were great about that, but, um, <laughs> that I want to do all my high school together, all four years together at the same place. So we're like, you have the eighth grade year to teach him braille, you know, what technology he needs, walk with the cane, but you got one year. And yeah, um, yeah so that one year I, I did it. And, and that's where I learned braille. And that's where I kind of learned walk with the cane. And of course all the technology is useless because, you know, it's a lot of years ago now. And, um, but that's where I learned about things like seeing eye dogs and you know all that kind of good stuff. So, which I, I have, I'm, I'm on my fourth seeing eye dog. So, wow, how cool! Yeah, Very I got my first one at 16, senior year of high school. Wow, that's how was how was that? Uh, so, you did yeah. high school at a regular high school, or yeah. was it at yeah. a? Mm -hmm. So, how was that? Uh, you know, adjusting being in the. You know, you know, kids can be cruel. You know, no. so I speak too, and um, I didn't want to speak for the longest time, and I didn't like telling my story for the longest time, because my experience from what I've heard is not like anybody else's experience. I can honestly say I was never bullied once in school, never bullied, uh, anything like that. I picked on, yeah, but I was picking back. Like I, like I said, I was a jock. I was in the, I was in the locker room. We, we, I, I was not being picked on because I was blind. I was being picked on because I was a jock in the locker room. I mean, we were, this is what we did, right? So, yeah. you know, I didn't want to speak for a long time because I was afraid of, like, a mom or a teacher being like, you know, I know this kid in this situation. They're going through this. And and I finally decided, like, the, the truthful answer is, you know, I know that happens. I, I can't answer it because I didn't go through it. But, like, my high school experience in many ways was was normal. Like, I, I you know, I powered through all four years because – uh, again, small school. There wasn't, it was the only sport I could do. Like we didn't have wrestling and stuff. So like I was, I was part of that. You know, uh, jock ecosystem. Um, you know, I, I 
I did all like the, the classics at physics and anatomy, uh, gifted and talented. I, I, I that that part was normal. Yeah, I was natural. Like really, only and the only difference was socially, because I lived 15 miles from town. Like, I grew up in a dairy 15 miles from town, and so like my social life after school wasn't that great because we were too far from town. It wasn't like I was like you know two blocks away, right? So um, that again, that's where my parents came in, and and I did a lot of hanging out with my parents and their friends, which was fine. I it made me more mature. I was probably more mature than a lot of my friends because of what I had gone through. Um, and so, you know, I I, I, I look back and it, it was a good experience, positive experience. I don't really have anything bad about it. Uh, would it have been different if I had not lost my vision? Yeah, I mean, I would have been you no know, playing sports. I've been popular or more popular. You know, I would have had that status. I mean, I could have been the man on campus type thing, right? right. Like, you know, that, 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 that would have been different. That was what I expected to happen. But my, but it wasn't a bad experience, right? And so um, I, I'm fortunate because I haven't been bullied. Um, I really haven't been discriminated against, right? Um, and if I had, I guess I was too oblivious to, to know or, or just didn't give enough a shit to care, right? So I just, <laughs> just kind of go. And so, um yeah, I'm fortunate, yeah. but I don't have any good answers as far as how to deal with it because, you know, I know it exists. I mean, I mean, I, I can look back and, you know, th- see kids that were like had we, – we had a kid that was um, emotionally disturbed, right? And he was bullied and picking all the time. And and so it, it wasn't because mm-hmm. my school was like this great place necessarily. Um, I just got lucky, I guess. Mm. Okay. So I um I have a question, you know, with everything mm-hmm. that's going on with COVID-19, you can kind of look at it as being an obstacle. So, um, you know, would you, um, how do you find your motivation beyond the circumstance? You know, what can you tell athletes that are, you know, wanting to yeah. go to NFL, you know, their chances mm-hmm. got slammed because of COVID-19. What can you um how can you motivate them during this current pandemic that we're experiencing, the whole world is experiencing? Control what you can control, right? So, like, obviously you can't control whether or not your team is playing, you know, whatever because of COVID, right? Um, and so uh, what you can control is you can continue to work out. You can continue to hone your craft. You can continue to practice, run drills, you know. Um, you can continue to, to work on your mindset. You can continue all the things that you can control to make yourself the best candidate you can possibly be. That way, you know, if you if you put stuff on film, even if it isn't game film, it's that much better than it would have been if you hadn't done anything, right? Mm. So, like, that's really all you right. can do is contr- like focus on what you can control, um, because you know, um, I, I I heard a quote the other day that like fear is with when anxiety. It's basically fear is a combination of anxiety and uncertainty. And mm-hmm. so if you can if you can eliminate either anxiety or uncertainty, you're not going to have fear. So, you know, it's kind of hard with anxiety right now. I mean, you know, there's so much, you know, noise. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. if you have anxiety issues, that's, you can work on some mindfulness stuff. You know, you can try to work. But that's a little more difficult. What you can work on is the uncertainty part, which is, like I said, work on your skills, work on your craft, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and that's really the best that you can do. It's just, it's make the best of a bad situation. Oh, that's good. That's good. Very I mean, good. 
we have a lot of athletes that are, you know, they're dealing with depression because like, like you said, you know, at the age, early age, you want yeah. to be an NFL coach. Yeah. And so some of these kids have been grooming yeah. to do, to go and make it, even though there's a small percentage, of but course. you know, just yeah. even with COVID-19, it just makes it even smaller because you don't have the record tryouts. Right. And so, you know, we really, you know, some of the, um, but here's the other part about that. If everybody's feeling that way and, and people are giving up by you being the one that put in the effort by, by making the film, by working, that separates you that much more because you didn't mm. give up because you didn't take yes. a year off. Right. Like, like right. It, which coaches love that. They love that hunger, that drive, that, 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 you know, that, that individual motivation, right. It's way the hell easier to motivate a kid that's already motivated. You know, yeah. like that, like that's the reality of it. Right. And so like this, it, it's an opportunity to differentiate yourself is what it is. Wow. Yeah. It's good. But that's here's good. the other part. It sounds great. <laughs> Does that make it easy? No. You know what I'm saying? I, it's still going to be a lot of work, a lot of effort. Um, but you have to look at it as an opportunity versus, you know, life sucks, right? <laughs> My dream right. is over, you know? Um, but, yeah, it's still going to be difficult, maybe maybe more difficult. Um, but, you know, nothing worthwhile comes easy. Let's mm. put it this way. You don't appreciate what comes easy as much as the stuff you have to struggle for. That's probably a better way of looking at it. Hmm. Uh, that's good. <laughs> so in your, in your, in your bio, you mentioned, um, uh, mindset resilience, and that mm -hmm. almost seems like what you're talking about right now. Tell us a little about how, tell us a little bit about how you encourage the people who you are working with to have a mindset resilience. Resilience. Yeah, mindset resilience. You know, a lot of it's just educating them. Like, you know, a lot of it is just realizing how much control we have over our thoughts and then how much really yeah. our thoughts affect how we see the world and how we view ourselves and our place in the world, right? So it's kind of starts with education, you know, as far as like how much thoughts really do affect everything else. And then after that, it's how much you can control your thoughts, right? And it yeah. doesn't happen overnight. It's a journey. It's a process. You know, it takes time. Um, and, and it's just, it's learning the tricks of how to reframe a situation. Like I said, you know, viewing, you know, COVID as an opportunity versus, you know, the end of the world. Right. You know, or, or it's, you know, um, I may not be coming from the same financial or economic or financial educational backgrounds as everybody else, but that doesn't mean I'm not worthy. Right. That, that, that just means I have to work a little bit harder. I have to take advantage of different opportunities. You know, I have to maybe, uh, go about it a different way. Maybe I don't focus on my grades as much as I focus on, you know, um, community service or whatever yeah. that you're great at. Right. So it's learning to really see the world from different perspectives. And, and, it, and it's realizing that, you know, just because one Avenue is closed off, that doesn't mean there's not 15 other avenues to get there. Right. There's mm. ne there's almost mm -hmm. never, unless it's math, there's almost never, one solution to a problem there now some solutions are more ideal than others but that doesn't mean there's only one solution right so if one's closed off right. find, another, find another way of doing it mm, that's good how to tell us a little bit how about how you use the vision board to yeah you know encourage people, people to... like vision boards and it's because it, it's two things a it's visual and visual stuff is very powerful right mm -hmm. um and you know really 
what it is, it's all about focus. And so a vision board is, is, you know, finding pictures or if you can draw, drawing pictures of where you want to be. So if you want to be an NFL athlete, you know, find a picture of an NFL athlete that, that, that plays position you do and you stick it up in a vision board. You know, if you want to make a million dollars, whatever, right? Whatever pictures of whatever you want, the house, the car, you know, the money, um, the spouse, whatever it is you're looking for, you put them on like a board and you, and you put up someplace that you are, your bedroom, your bathroom, you look at it every day. And by, by looking at it every day, it, it's, it, you, the theory is it's all about what you can, what you can see, you can achieve and what you can believe, all that kind of stuff, right? To me, what it is more anything is when you see it every day, it causes you to focus on it. And by focusing on it, you end up finding solutions to problems that you, you wouldn't have found before, right? Or you find the resiliency to get up and work out early because you really want that car, right? Or So it's all about, to me, it, it, it focuses your mind. And mm. and when your mind is focused that's on good. a goal, yeah, that, that's, what I've, that's what I've come to discover. And when your mind is focused on that goal, it finds solutions to problems that you're going to have along the way. It gives mm. you motivation to keep going when things are rough, right? Um, so that's really to me right. what vision boards do. Mm. So, uh, you know, uh, that's good. That is good. <laughs> you know, as far as athletes, it, um, it's, it takes a lot for them to uh, transition from, you know, wanting to be an NFL player to just transition into just doing something else. Yeah. So how... How can you help an athlete um, transition from, you know, that that dream that they always had yeah. to uh, just like okay, life. Yeah, you know it's tough because the reality is like you know it's not it's an identity right like I, I got, my identity is I still see myself as that NFL quarterback right it's kind of who I am it's kind of guess what they do right. like I'm a CPA I'm a lawyer I'm a whatever. It's their identity. So, like, when whenever say they're retiring, or you know, they they finish their college career, or whenever their athletic journey ends, right? In many ways, it's a loss of part of their identity. It's almost like a death. Mm. So, like, yeah. you know, they're going yeah. to mourn it, they're going to grieve it, you yes. need to understand that, go through that, recognize it, right? And then you start looking at things, and and it, and it could be okay. What skills, traits that I do I have as an athlete? that I, I like to use that I'm good at that, whatever that I can, you know, apply to a job. And, you know, if, if you're a great leader or, you know, if you're a great uh, teammate, if you know, that can narrow things down. Um, and, you know, on top of it, everybody has interests outside of sports, you know, so it could be, so a lot of it is just, you know, it's, it's going through the acceptance process and then it, it's realizing how many skills, skills and valuable, uh, you know, just lessons you learn as an athlete that you can apply to, to, to different jobs, to different, whatever. Um, and it's not, it's not an easy path because, you know, uh, depending on, you know, how academically you were motivated throughout that, that process, you may not feel that you have any skills that are marketable outside of being an athlete. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and if that's the case, then that's kind of becomes a lack of education and more importantly, a lack of confidence. Right. So then you have to, to, reality is work to um, to fix that skills gap, right? To, to alleviate that skills gap. And that's not trendy. That's not easy. That's not sexy to say, but 
that's kind of the reality of the situation. As you know, if, if you're not good at something, what do you do? You work to become better at it. And that could be right. lack of education. You know, it could be um, lack of physical fitness. It could be whatever, right? And so um, life's not complicated. We just kind of like to complicate it. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> right. We, most of us know the solution. Yes. I mean, you know, we do. We just like to overcomplicate it. Wow. Yeah, oh. it's, it's my mom's fault. I come from a science background, right? Kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. Um, <laughs> and, and the reason I love it, yeah. But the reason I love it is because guess what? Simple doesn't break down, right? The more mm. simple something is, the less likely it's going to break down, right? Right. And, and and the reason like a lot of gurus are out there and they say it's complicated, whatever, it's because if it's complicated, you're gonna have to pay them to explain it to you. It doesn't have to. Be that, it usually doesn't have to be that complicated. So. Like I, I, I'm more about keeping it simple, right? Because not only does simple not break down, you can remember simple, and you can mm. remember simple when you're stressed, and that's when you need mm. to remember it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how, how do uh, people? You know, what do they do? They schedule uh, a time with you, or you do an assessment of their thinking? You know, how, does, it how does that work? <laughs> So I, I do one-on-ones with clients. And so, you know, like basically we, 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 that they, 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 we talk and they can, they decide they want to go or don't. And then we kind of start working together. We, you know, it could be once a week, every other week, once a month, it depends on what they can, you know, what they want to do. And um, yeah, so this is a conversation. It's just, there's, there's assessment to it. And then a lot of it's just you know, like, I hear what they say, what their language is, like what their mindset is. And then we work on that or like, you know, Maybe they have a specific problem that they that they need that they that they want to address that that we work on. Um, so yeah, it's it's all done through phone conversations and and uh, and one on ones. Which you know I, I do it differently than a lot of coaches because like, I, I don't do like the whole you know buy my package as far as like videos or whatever. Right. Um, because you can right. find those anywhere. I think where my gift is is in my creativity and my problem solving and my ability to to really understand what my clients are going through and then give them unique solutions to them. That's what I like to do because, and that's also why I work with athletes and like CEOs. In fact, I chose my clients based on my personality profile, what people I wanted to work with and what people I thought I related to, you know? Mm. And so like, I, I probably wouldn't be the best coach for, an art student, right? Or an art major, you know, I'm probably not the right personality <laughs> profile. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. You know, and I know that about myself and I know that doesn't mean the skills aren't translatable, but I can almost always know what my clients are thinking before they fully articulate it because that's what I would be going through in that same situation. Right. And, and to me, that helps me relate and helps me give me insight to my clients. So, Mm. Yeah. So, so Ryan, do you have chose my client base? Go ahead. Do you have contact information that we could put up? I do. Um, my website, my website is Ryan R Y O N Esquire dot com, and then all my social media is actually at Ryan Esquire. Okay. Wow, that's good. And then my email is you know Ryan at Ryan Esquire dot com. So I feel like I would be somebody that's laying on the couch. And you're kind of like my <laughs> psychiatrist and helping me with my mindset, you yeah, know? Right? Yeah. We could all use yeah. some help. 
<laughs> and that's the thing about that and, that, and that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought it up because, like, you know, especially me as a guy, like, you know, like, I know what the hell I'm doing. What, what do I need a mindset coach for? You know, again, small town, blue collar. I mean, that's what people thought, and, and yeah. including me for a long time, which is ironic because I have a master's in counseling and psych. And until I really got into it, and, 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 and to me, it went from fixing a problem, which is not what I'm doing. I'm helping people become the best version of themselves that I possibly can. And that's two different things, which, you know, that's why I didn't want to be a counselor with my master's degree. Like I, I you know, people need like people with depression, anxiety, like they need to be fixed, but that wasn't yeah. what I wanted to do. This wasn't right. what my, what my calling in life was. I want to help people become amazing. And those are two different mm. things in the reality. Those are two different personality profiles. There's a lot of people who are just happy, you know, being, you know, middle class. Great. They should be ec- ecstatic. They are happy. Most people that I work with aren't what you call content. They're probably happy, mm. but they're not content. They always want more. And that's not mm. everybody. And there's nothing wrong with either one of those. You just need to be happy with which one you are and accept that. You know, if you're happy, if you, if you, if you're really happy with, you know, middle-class lifestyle, and you're always pushing, you know, you're, you're always um, kind of falling into the trap of wanting more, wanting more, wanting more, because that's what society tells you. You're going to be kind of miserable, right? Right. And, but yet the reality is you're happy with where you are. That's a great place to be. Happy is mm-hmm. a great place to be. Mm. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, just not, it's not the people that I, I, I tend to work with. I, I mean, I just love hearing you when you said that word amazing. I was just like, oh. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, so how do how do we know if we're content, amazing, happy? How do we know? <laughs> you know, it takes a lot of questions. Yeah, a lot, that's a lot good. Self examining. You know, it really does. Like, because I mean, the reality is, those are great words, but they're they're self defined. Like, what's amazing mm-hmm. to me is not amazing to you, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's learning what mm-hmm. your definition of amazing is, and then and learning that, asking the questions, and seeing if. You know, seeing if if you're if you're me- reaching that level, and then if you're not, it's stepping back and going, "Is this really what I want? Like, am I? Am I, I mean, am I? Am I living a dream that my mom or that my dad or that my husband or that whoever set out for me? Is this really what I want? You know, am I am I happy making sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year, but being done at five o'clock at night where I can spend time with my with my kids, my spouse, my church, my whatever, right?" Or do I want to make $10 million a year? You know, do I want to be able to go like fly to New York or Paris and do it? Like, you know, it's, it's really just knowing it's asking those questions and feeling what feels good to you. And then accepting that, that that's okay. Whichever one it is, that's okay. Like, you know, it's your life. Don't let, I mean, don't live up to someone else's standards. I feel like you need to be a motivation speaker in front of every team. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, we ha- we hear a lot, you know, that kids are living, uh, parents are living through their kids. Yeah. And sometimes the kids are into the sports and keep going only because they're trying to make their parents happy. Yep. And I would probably be for one because I was like, I think I took on my son's dream and just like was pushing mm-hmm. him and pushing him and pushing him. And so... Uh, but for to hear this, um, 
just like you know getting to the point where you're just happy to be who you are yeah. and, it's a good place to yeah. be isn't it you yeah yeah it, it's, it's a good place to be you know and, and there's no shame in being like, like middle class like like that's a it's an honorable place to be but that's not what our society tells us right yeah right right like you should always aspire for more and, for more. and, and you know, some people do. I, I'm, I'm most people, I'm always aspiring for more, but that doesn't mean that everybody is right. And it's just, that doesn't make me better or them bad. It's just mm. the way it is. Right. You know, like, you know, it's, it, to me, it's just like, I, I, we, we judge too much. Right. Like I, I think mm. for a lot of us, like we judge, you know, if, if you're mm. make less money that could, and I guess I grew up because, like, my dad has a high school degree. My mom has a master's in microbiology, right? My dad ran a multi-million dollar business and made way more wow. money than my mom ever did, right? But guess, like, you would never think that based right. on degrees that people would flip it. So, like, I didn't grow up thinking, you know, mm -hmm. education was the end-all, be-all to everything. Although I think education is hugely important, right? So, like, I just don't judge. It's just, like, we put so many, like judgments and evaluative expectations mm. on things and um it kind of leads to a miserable life i think for most people we kind of look at this little cookie cutter you know like you know the the family with the white picket fence yeah. that is supposed to just fit all in this little certain mold but it don't mm -hmm. always happen that way um so yeah. yeah, I was I was looking at some on your website on some of the blogs you have uh, listed. You have unplugged. I just love the titles that you have. So leading Someone is else said that one day yes. Yeah. Leading is creating. Reality is perspective. How can I do it this better? Uh, am I yes. arrogant enough? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I, was on, I was on a sales call. And it's funny, I, 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 I hate sales because I, I, I grew up in a family like you, you don't brag, like you just don't brag on yourself. And so like to me, many ways sales is bragging. So I just, I suck at it. And, and basically she was, and she was um, of African-American descent, which I've noticed this is very much in, in that culture. But she was kind of like, if you're that great, own it, like tell people. And it's kind of like, that's not the way I was raised. <laughs> and so that, that's, mm -hmm. that's where that post came from. It's kind of like, you know, on some level, some of the best salespeople in the world are some of the most arrogant people you'll ever meet. But that yeah. doesn't mean that they're good at what they do. They're just going to tell you that. How, and then, but the other part about that is, you know, reality is perception. And if you can convince somebody that you're that great, then are you that great? Maybe. I don't know. So that's where that post came from. Mm. Beauty is in the process. Yeah, mm. you know that was that one. That was a long one for me too. Or that took, that came with age, right? Because like we were young, especially the guy. It's all about the result, right? It's all about winning that championship and you know whatever. And then as you get older, you start to realize that that's like one percent at most of the time that you spent. Like if you look at like a football season, right? Well, the, the only joyful moment is that who that one team that wins the state championship or wins the Super Bowl, the national championship, right? Everybody else lost. But, and so like that, 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 so it's that one fleeting moment of joy, but yet you spent how many hours getting better at your craft, you know, spending time with your, with your teammates, learning how to be a leader. So it's mm -hmm. learning to fall in love with that process because that's where you're going to spend the majority of your time. And once you fall in love with that process, 
that's when it becomes easier to be great because you don't mind spending the hours practicing the repetition, right? Or, or spending time with your teammates, building that, that chemistry. You know, the process is, it really, the process is where life happens. And then you just have little milestones along the way. And if all you're looking for is, or living for is the milestones, that's kind of an empty existence, right? You know, right. when you start looking at it. So right. that, that, that's, that's where that came from. But that came with age. I was not that way when I was younger. Yeah, <laughs> so it's the not. journey. It is, it's you know, and, and it's learning to, to love the journey because the journey is going to be full of ups and downs and, and like successes, failures, uh, setbacks, you know, um, and you're going to meet incredible people along the way. You're going to meet shitty people along the way. Right. And, and it's messy and it's, and it's, it's beautiful, but you know, it's learning to navigate that and accept it and, and, and just realize that, you know, everybody's on this journey and, and, but not everybody goes the same direction, but yet you can be the master of your own destiny mm-hmm. by the choices that you make. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it sounds easy. Trust me. It's hard to make good choices in the, in, you know, in, in the middle of the situation, but, but realizing that your choices really do have the power to determine what direction your life leads. It may not always determine how successful you'll be within that direction, you know, cause on some level success does, I mean, we can control, we control, but you know, sometimes, you know, there's luck. Right. Um, but yet you, you can, you, your choices determine the direction that your life chooses. And that's powerful. Once you realize that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know how they say that, you know, when you lose one sense, some of the other ones kick mm-hmm. in. I Good mean, <laughs> your Good sense of writing and, and understanding is just <laughs> like, wow. You know, it's so funny because I, I've, I've gotten compliments on how well I write. And my mom and I to this day still laugh about it. My mom thought I would never be able to put an intelligible sentence on a piece of paper <laughs> growing. Because her moms always remember how bad you were. They, they're not going to give you cre- how, credit for how like good you've become. They're always going to remember how bad you were at your, at your worst just to remind you and you know, keep you humble. But, um, yeah, no, we still laugh about that. Cause, I mean, it, it that was one of those like, that was a that was a journey. That was a painful journey, but that was a journey to to learn how to write well. Wow, I I like this one right here. It says mistakes are opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, opportunities to learn. There are opportunities to 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 learn and grow, right? To get better mm-hmm. because basically, like a mistake usually leads to a failure, and what a failure basically tells you is you weren't good enough for whatever reason, right? Doesn't mean you're a bad mm-hmm. person. For some reason, you weren't good enough to achieve this goal. So it's an opportunity to step back, reevaluate what worked, what didn't, come up with a new game plan, and try it again. Yeah. <laughs> now, it doesn't mean that they don't hurt, right? Like, that's the right. part of it that, that, you know, it sounds great, but, you know, sometimes failures hurt, you know. You can have a financial setback. You can, you know, break a bone. You can break your heart, right? But, but that doesn't change the mindset of, okay, I can learn from this, right? Like that's 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 the real point. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's one thing. Like all this stuff sounds easy, and it sounds easy because we're we're discussing it antiseptically, right? But we're in the middle of it when you're in those emotions, right? When you're going through that situation, it's not always easy to do. Which is why you should work on your mindset now, because you know we we fall back on what we basically we fall back on what we practice. We fall back on our habits. So if you can if you can establish a good habit, a good mindset now, you'll fall back on it when the shit hits the fan. 
Mm. Yeah. So how how soon do you think we, that we should practice this as far as to our kids? Should we practice this at you know in school? You know immediately. Um, you know you, what you do is you just you just make it you know age specific, right? You know like 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 a two year old doesn't probably need to be discussing philosophy with you as far as like does a two year old really like can you really explain to a two year old why they can't cross the road? Like they don't probably don't really have a concept of danger right so, right you know like, like it comes down to a two-year-old like you don't cross the road that's the rule you know you don't do it right and, and that's where it goes as they get older you start to you start to explain right? okay you don't like you don't do it because you can hit by a car because you know because of whatever right and so you know as soon as you can introduce age appropriate decision making it's always better because it teaches the kid to be decisive, to make a decision one way or the other. And it teaches them that there are consequences to decision. And by consequences, I mean, you know, some things work, some things don't. Um, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. That's important, right? Because that's mm -hmm. life. Sometimes you win, sometimes. And, 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 and then they learned that they, those are important things to learn. So, you know, as soon as you can like start that with a kid, and you know, of course, sort of small, right? You know, with a two-year-old, maybe it's do you want green beans or broccoli mm -hmm. you know, something like that you could you control that choice right but you're still giving them a choice they get to make is that not too soon because you know i have a friend and i think she did her daughter like that mm -hmm. and she is so smart but she's so smart to where she can tell that her mama is manipulating her <laughs> in some things of course because she's so course. smart yeah yeah of course now you know of course you're the parents so like let's go back to the, you know green beans or, or broccoli right or whatever it's mm. so like you get the choice of one or the other but that doesn't mean the choice is neither and that doesn't mean that once you choose one, you don't get to, you don't have to finish it, right? Like those mm -hmm. are things that you, as a parent, can impose, but that doesn't mean you can't help them with a the decision along the way. And and yeah, maybe the kid does think feel that they're being manipulated, but is is that any different than a boss saying you can choose this project or this project? Mm. You know, it's no different. It's just we we just like to make it seem different, right? Right. And, and, and you're not bribing the kid. You're not saying choose one or the other so you can go do this, you know, that that's kind of manipulative, but we do it all the time. Yeah. But you know, at parents, it's like, okay, we, you know, you, I tell you what's important right now. Yeah. And so important right now is for you to eat your vegetables. Correct. And so nowadays, now you have, you have that going on with parents allowing, mm -hmm. allowing children to choose their sex at the age of four five and yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, I'm not gonna like. I, I don't have kids, and and so like it's it's really hard for me to want to be like. If I was a parent, I would do this. Right? <laughs> you know, right. like that to me is like the definition of hypocrite. You know, and, and if it comes down that kind of stuff, like, you know, the reality is that's that parent's choice to parent to parent the kid the way yeah. they want to, right? Yeah. Um, all I can do is like basically say, you know, this is how I raise my I, I raise my kids. This is why I do it. Um, these are the results I'm having. Um, yeah. If if you, if you agree with it, you know I can help you. I can tell you what I do. I can give you advice. If you don't, fine. You know that's your choice. Um, you know, I hope everything works out, right? Um, and because th th that's part of being human is realizing that not everybody thinks the same way you do. Not everybody, yeah. thinks, you know, and, and and they they never have. And guess what? The world's still here, right? You know, so it, it's, you know, it, it's. 
that, that's kind of how, so that's kind of how I feel about it. Like that's their choice. Would I do it? No. Does, does that make me right and them wrong? No. Right. That's right. Just the way that you know. So that's just kind of um, everybody's different that way. So tell us about the podcast that you're going to be launching soon, so people will know uh, how to follow you and everything. You know, so. I, I thought about it, and of course, I came up with you know um, my name, Ryan Squire. Then edgy conversations with interesting people, because we you know we all listen to podcasts, and and a lot of them are just kind of you know, frankly boring. It's just interview questions, right? And um, I didn't want to do that, so I wanted a, a podcast to where I could be me more so, and we would have a conversation, and it would be fun and upbeat. And, you know, sometimes it may be a little more edgy than it should be, and sometimes it may not, right? And, and, and so that, that to me is fun because, um, you know, it, 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 it leaves up opportunity for magic to happen when people can be themselves in a conversation. Like that's when magic happens. Right. And yeah. so I don't want to be con- constrained by a, I need to be professional on this podcast and answer these interview questions. Nah, hell no. Screw it. But like, like, let me know who you are. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like that's when the beauty comes out. Right. You know, because, um, you know, Clinical and antiseptic is when you start hearing all the same answers. Mm. I don't want to hear the same answers. I want to hear stories. I want to hear unique perspectives. Am I, am I going to agree with them all? No, but that's fine. I, I want to be exposed. I want my audience to be exposed. Um, because, you know, if, you know, if you're never exposed to different thoughts than what you currently have, how do you, how do you learn and grow and evolve? How do you change your mind? You know, how do you accept different cultures, different beliefs, different people, different You don't, right? And so, like, I love being exposed because, you know, sometimes I do change. I mean, quite often I change my worldview, and quite often I don't, right? Like, that's the beauty of, of not only being exposed to different thoughts, but having the ability to think through it and be like, do I agree? Mm-hmm. Do I not? Okay. And then being cool with whatever you come, whatever you choose to do. Like, that's, that's, that's the human experience, right? Yeah. So what else do you do? What are other things that you do other than uh, helping people with their minds as far as in the community or anything like that, you know, with your, um, you know, yeah, not that, not that your blindness, yeah, any limitations. You know, it's weird. Um, I, I like helping people on an individual basis. I am a, I'm a terrible volunteer. Like this is just me being honest, right? I, I, don't, I don't volunteer well. And my, it's funny because my dad did. My dad volunteered my entire life. And he loves doing it. It's just I, 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 it's just not my thing, right? Um, I, I really like helping people that I, on an individual level um, that I care about. And, and so I really basically do my stuff, um, whether it's through clients or, like, through having conversations like this or, you know, just people that I meet out and about and I hear their story. And if I can help in any way, I will, right? So um, I'm kind of more that way than I am on the, you know, volunteer type thing, which is not mm. the politically correct answer, but it's the honest answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I have enjoyed the show. Carmen, did you have any more uh, questions before we I end? I did. I do. I'm sorry. You guys lost my Wi-Fi. I had to plug into the computer, change rooms, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I d- one question I have for you, Ryan, is... Uh-huh. Have you have a really um, excellent sense of who you need to help, who you can help, and who you can't help? So, uh-huh. how do you go about weeding through who you can help and who you can't help? 
who's a good you know, fit for you and who's not. It's just being honest, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's kind of like my answer to the, you know, I, I I like I'm good at helping people on an individual level, but not a great level, like a group level. Like mm-hmm. the, the, like the, the the PC answer, the answer that you hear on Instagram or Facebook is like, oh, I want to help everybody. And I join this organization. I volunteer. I do whatever. Right. That sounds great, you know, but, but that's just, you know, it's, if, if, it, if it resonates with you, like you'll find a way to do it versus this is something I should do to look good with my neighbors. Right. And, and so that's a lot of it. It's like, what kind of resonates with like, what, what do you want to do? What are you drawn to versus what do you think you should be doing? Because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Um, mm-hmm. And then more than anything, it's just being honest with who you are and being okay with accepting that because some people are great at volunteering. Some people aren't. That doesn't make you a good or bad person. It doesn't make them a better person than you. It's just the way things are, but it doesn't mean you can't do great things on an individual scale while they're doing great things on a group scale. You know, like who knows, you may inspire the next Steve Jobs because you you took a moment to have a conversation with somebody who was either down or luck, was trying to like maybe figure out an educational path, right? You know, you help somebody like that and that can change the whole trajectory of their life, right? So it's just wanting to accept that. Like, a lot of it's just acceptance and it's not caring what other people think, right? Like as long as you're mm. happy with who you are and you're not hurting other people while you're doing it. Does it really matter what we all choose to do? <laughs> mm. You know, like that's kind of like, that's kind of like a lot of things, right? Like, as long as you're not hurting somebody with what you're doing, why do I care what you're doing? <laughs> and the all flip right. side of that is, why should I care what other people are doing if they're not hurting somebody along the way? You know, now if you're hurting somebody, and all this stuff changes, like you know, this is easy to say as as a single man, right? If I was married. A lot of my decision-making framework would change because I have someone else that I'm responsible to. Right. You make me marry with kids, the, you know, the, the equation changes again because I have a, a wife and kids that I'm now responsible to, right? So it's easy to make decisions, and, and that, that's a reality of it, right? Like, you know, a lot of stuff sounds easy, but you start putting constraints on it, it completely changes the the evaluation, and and, and it's. Does it suck? Yeah, sometimes it does, right? You know, sometimes we we stay in jobs that make us great money because we do have that family to support. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe you change your perspective of, you know, I'm in this job because I love my family. Or maybe mm. you, your job becomes what you do and you find something that you love outside of your job to make your job bearable. You know, we can bear a lot as long as we're happy in the other areas of our life. Like, you know, we can have a shitty job. Not shitty. We can have a job we hate, you know, if we're happy with our marriage, right? You know, make it easier. I, know, I said the wrong word. Yeah. But, but if you're not happy with your marriage and you're not happy with your job, it's kind of hard to tolerate either one, right? You know, but that's the reality of it. You're being who you are. I am. Yes, I we love it's it, not too. It's politically correct, but it's what people need to hear, I think, a lot of times. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, you can see, here. you can see, I work with professional athletes, right? I've been in a locker room way too long. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Real locker room conversation right here. Yeah. Well, right. We have enjoyed you. We thank cool. you so much. As well. 
I, uh, you know, I'm gonna have to go and share some of your uh, blogs on our page. Yeah, please, uh, uh, please, uh, please, uh, yes. Okay, because I love, I love the titles and everything. So I'm definitely gonna start sharing that yeah, to our absolutely. page. It, it just gets your mind thinking, you know. And I, you know, I think that's good, you know. And, and I think that's a good way of phrasing it, because you know, like, you know, we're talking about thoughts and thoughts. The reality is, you know, if you a thought usually leads to a question. And then mm. if you if you if you if you seek to find the answer to that question, it's amazing how much we like grow along that way, right? So that's really wow. kind of what I want to do with though. I just want to spark that thought, which leads to that question, you know, which leads to lifelong change. Like that's mm. kind of what I, you know, I've never thought about that until just now, but that's kind of what I guess I like to do with those blogs. That's good. That's that right was there. that was really good <laughs> because a lot of times we have thoughts, but we don't think through to that question and then try to find the yeah. answer. It was like, oh, that yeah. was a good time. Okay, I'm moving on. Right. Um, and, and, but, you know, I learn all the time. Like, I, I just, I literally started journaling today. And uh, mm -hmm. you always hear about how important, like, journaling is and how powerful it is. And I've known that forever and I haven't done it. And, you know, and I'm a coach, but it doesn't mean I do everything I'm supposed to do. And, mm -hmm. but what today made me think, what when we do it was they were talking about, like, you know, if, when you write like when you write something down, it takes mm. it out of your working memory a lot of a lot of times. But if mm. it stays in your working memory, that's basically you're you're, you're worrying about it, you're ruminating over it, you know. And, mm. and, and that, that 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 it's a lot of processing power that you're wasting, and it causes anxiety and fears and whatever. But a lot of times, when you write it down, it, it removes it. I'm like, you know what? That's really powerful. On top of all the other benefits that come from like you know clarity and whatever, right? And so I'm like, I started journaling today, right? And and hopefully that's that'll good. be so it's like we change and we grow all the time. And all it takes is that one spark to change your perspective. And you're like, damn, I really did the journal, good. right? Yeah, you know? and that just little, literally that happened today. I wrote my first journal five o'clock this afternoon. Well, that is you, good. You sparked me, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. me too. That's, mm -mm. that's what I hope. Yeah, you know. Cause I have fifty thousand things going on in my head, and, and I had a little friend that was visiting, so she was like, "That's the problem. Mm -hmm. Get some paper and write it mm -hmm. out. You need to see it. Write and it I out." Tell you what, it is the weirdest thing. When you write stuff down, it 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 takes it from the ether of the brain, which is like this, like you know, amb ambiguous or, or it's this nebulous blob of like floating information. But when you write it down, it gives it somewhat like weird concrete permanence to it that makes it real. Like, you know, it's a weird, it's like, it doesn't make a damn bit of sense to me. I'm like, it's the same freaking thought. It's just on paper. But for right. some reason, it makes it real. And, you, and like, like it, especially with goals and stuff, you're much more likely to do them if you write them down. Um, I don't know why, but you are. It gives That's good. And, and plus, if you're looking at them all the time, like, like we talked about earlier, you know, it, it gives you that focus, but some it's, it's almost like writing a contract with yourself. And, mm. you know, and if you're a driven person, there's nothing worse than disappointing yourself. Right. Like I, I mm. back to the Canadian football player. Like I, I remember when I was, when I was, I was young. I was, sometimes I was trying to cheat on like how many reps I should be doing. His, his quote was always, you're not cheating me. You're cheating yourself. You know, and mm -hmm. as you get older, you start to realize like, you know, basically what that saying is, you know, you're not disappointing me. You're disappointing yourself. And that's kind of what that writing that contract does, right? You know, that's good. I wrote that down. I'm writing <laughs> a contract I'm, with yourself. Yeah. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna fill out my my board. I got some posted on the wall. Yes. I just have some type. I'm gonna fill them out. 
Good, that yeah. So good. Because I need my brain, my brain to release some stuff. Yes. <laughs> and, you know what? And you'll probably be like, my God, you, you know, and you're probably the best sleep of your life after you do it. Because then you're like, <laughs> right. oh, I can relax now. <laughs> I don't know think about this shit anymore, right? You know? Wow. <laughs> so. That's really good. That's what, you know what? I'm gonna have my husband do that too, because he's always got stuff going on in his head, mm-hmm. and he's always like, "Carmen, I have a headache," and mm-hmm. I'm like, "All oh, that stuff you got mm-hmm. going on in your head." Yeah, so crazy. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny. Like this is all stuff that we all hear, right? But like, mm-hmm. I, I like to really dig into the science, like stuff, and I, and my brain's really either good or bad about relational learning. I like take ideas from one place, take them to the other, and whatever. And and so like to me all this stuff makes sense because I'm starting to learn like different whys behind it. If I, if you can give me a compelling why I will do mm. the behavior. If you can't, I'm not going to do it. Mm. I, I, I won't do anything because mm. you told me, but I'll do something. If you can give me a compelling, why, compelling why. If and it so makes I'm sense. I'm all about learning why. Say it again. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's just me. I, 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 I always say I would never join the military because they'd be like, march around this tank. Why? why? Who the hell's going to steal a tank? <laughs> You know, there's no keys and it weighs 50 million tons or 50,000 tons, right? Who's going to steal a tank? So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> I need compelling whys, you know, because it's not a compelling why. So, yeah. Okay. We, go, we would go on and on oh, with yeah, you. On. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you guys, we ask you guys to like and share this video. We have had Ryan Esquire Anderson. He is a certified personal coach. And as you can see, he's already educated me and Carmen. Yes. So we're gonna we're gonna sleep good tonight. Good. Yes. I'm gonna write yeah. I'm writing everything down. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. So um so you guys, all right, we will be back on Sunday. Uh See you guys later. So thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Thank Carmen. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Ryan. We'll you this is later. amazing. Thank you very yes. much. Amazing, really. All right. Yeah,